Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Now, we are coming to the end of a series that we've been doing on unpacking generational baggage. Um, So if you have missed out on the first couple of episodes, you're going to want to go back and watch those. Uh, You can go ahead and continue watching this one because I know this is the big finale where we're talking about how to break the curses in our lives. How do we break those patterns? How do we begin to shift our personality um, after so many years of it being a part of who we are? Is that possible and how do we do it? So today we're going to get to it um, talking about how to break the pattern, how to break the curse in your life. So we've been talking about how um, a curse without a cause cannot alight. So it's first of all very important for you to recognize that after going through this series, if you're like, oh my gosh, we have some of those symptoms in our generation, I have some of those symptoms in my own life, I have to first recognize A, that I have authority to make that change, but B, that I need to recognize that there is something in my life that is allowing that thing to remain. Now for most of us, um, that thing in our life that is allowing it to remain can just even be ignorance. The fact that we've never taken the time to really ask ourselves some difficult questions, consider that we can change some of the personality bends, some of the characteristics, some of the traits, the tendencies that we often feel stuck in, recognizing, ooh, that I, first of all, that this is something that I don't like. It's something that looks less than who I'm designed to be, but it's also something that God has given me authority to take hold of and kick out of, cast out of, break out of my mind and out of my heart. So we talked in the last episode about a lot of really practical um, symptoms such as high levels of accidents in your family lineage or um, high amounts of depression or uh, extreme anger and wrath uh, that, that tends to run in your family lineage. So this doesn't have to necessarily just be what the world would identify as quote-unquote the big things uh, like addiction. It can be uh, the seemingly small and seemingly insignificant things that keep you from really walking in the fullness of who you're called to be, like the inability to cope with pain, the inability to handle unhealthy relationships, the inability to handle conflict, uh, the tendency that you have to enter into toxic relationships, fear in saying, Uh, no uh, to people, fear in your relationships. So I'm just keeping it real, I'm keeping it relevant so that you recognize uh, that all of us, it's possible that all of us struggle with some iniquities in our lives, uh, which in other words is curses that are passed down through the bloodline because of conditioned behavior. I'm just giving you a quick summation of what we've been learning, but it is not Um, it is not unusual for us to have some iniquities in our lives that we struggle with. So what we want to remember is that you and I have the authority to make these changes. Now in John chapter 9, when the blind man uh, is healed, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come and they begin to ask him, uh, who healed you? Who healed you? He says, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. They went to the parents. They said, who healed you? And then finally they address Jesus and they begin to attack Jesus for ministering healing to the blind man. Um, And so Jesus says this statement at the end, which I find very um, compelling. 
he says, because you claim you can see, you shall remain blind. So in other words, the Pharisees missed the miracle because they claimed to have knowledge that the law was you should not heal on the Sabbath. Um, and so you broke the law. So there's no way a sign or a miracle could flow from your hands. Um, the knowledge of what their truth was kept them from receiving truth. It kept them from seeing that there was deception in their life, that there was a lie in their ideology. Come on. And I need you to understand that for a lot of us, we remain blind. In other words, we stay stuck in our deception of depression, our deception of bitterness, our deception of addiction, our deception of toxic relationships, our deception of fear, our deception of anxiety, our deception of paranoia, whatever it is, the list could go on and on. We remain stuck in that lie because we claim we've already been set free. We claim we're already walking in the fullness of God's truth when God is saying there's something more for you. So we learn from that, that we must be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, to search us. The, the Bible says that the Spirit is like the lamp of the Lord that searches the inmost being. And we must allow the Holy Spirit, Spirit to search us, to examine us, to see any wicked way in us. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. Um, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the mind of any man has it been comprehended by the mind of any man except by the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm saying this to say you must invite the Holy Spirit into on the process of examining are there any curses that I am under the influence of? Are there any iniquities in my life that are influencing the patterns of my life, influencing my behaviors, influencing my personality, Holy Spirit, I need you to reveal to me. No mind will understand except by the Holy Spirit. We will continuously find ourselves innocent except by the Holy Spirit. We will continuously justify things, even things that we know we are stuck in. We will justify them. Um, and, and we will continue to allow that curse to remain because of our agreement with it. Okay. Remember a curse without a cause cannot remain. It cannot alight. So if you're justifying behaviors, if you're justifying broken thinking and you've normalized it in your life, it is possible that that in and of itself is what is giving that curse the cause to remain in your life. So it's important that you see through that deception and come out from under the curse, but that is only done through the ministry of the word and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Remember in, for, in James chapter one, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And afterward, after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Um, and so, and it goes on, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, the reason why this is so important is it's talking about coupling truth with action. So as we go through the process of how to break this curse, 
these curses off of our life, you will learn that there's more to it than just a verbal attack. We are going to verbally attack it with the word, but we also have to add to it the action of the word. Otherwise, we'll have knowledge of the truth, but we still won't be living in the truth. And we're deceiving ourselves because we have a knowledge of what I look like, but I'm not walking in who I am. That's what this passage is saying. Okay, so I think it's important that we remember not only with ourselves, but also when we're dealing with others. So for those of you who are in the life coaching realm, counseling realm, if you're just a peer who is often one who people come to you for advice or counsel, or you just see th these, these things in people's lives, it's super important um, that you never try to convince somebody of their own sin. I believe it's super important, unless you've been given the, earned the right in that person's life to not even point out sin. I think the best way to bring revelation to things that need to be changed in our own lives and in somebody else's life is by inviting the Holy Spirit and the, the Spirit's move into somebody's life so that He can illuminate in their life places that He wants to adjust, change, break, uh, deliver them from. Um, so often, so just a tip here, uh, not only are we going to ask ourselves good questions, but when we're having conversations with other people, we ask good questions as well. So for example, who would you be if you didn't have fear? Who would you be if you didn't struggle with anger? Who would you be if you didn't have depression? Who would you be if you didn't have panic anxiety attacks? Who would you be if you didn't have a history of unhealthy relationships? So by asking questions like that, I'm stirring up the possibility in my own mind, but I'm stirring up the possibilities in somebody else's mind as well. And I'm loosing the Holy Spirit to begin to move and I'm giving them permission to consider their life on the other side of their stronghold. Same thing for you. That's why it's so important that we learn to ask ourselves really good questions. Who would I be right here, right now in this moment if I didn't have anxiety? Um, and really, and that takes a lot of courage to ask that question because what I'm doing is I'm admitting that I could be experiencing something better, that who I could be right now could be more empowered, could be more courageous, could be more equipped, could be more victorious, could be more free. And so it's important that we allow ourselves to ask really good questions and that we learn how to ask really good questions of those around us. Now, I, I throw this in here because I think sometimes we get some information on deliverance and curses and sins, and then we, be, we feel like we're, uh, we completely have the right to start pointing that out in everybody else's life. And that's not what this series is about. It's not about empowering you or equipping you to start pointing out everybody else's quote unquote sin. It is not for us to define sin in somebody else's life. I tell people all the time, look, I have a hard enough time trying to decide for myself between me and the Holy Spirit what's right and what's wrong sometimes in a moment. Um, and so stick to yourself. And if you see somebody else who is under uh, the effects of what you feel like is a curse or an iniquity in their life, start asking them questions. Start praying with them. Start praying for them. Um, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to point it out because you will immediately turn them off. Um, you will immediately disconnect uh, their uh, ability to feel safe with you. Um, and when you do that, then you have breached your ability to really minister to that person. So that was just a side note for you. Um, 
So consider these statements or these thoughts. Well, that's just the way that I am, or that's just the way that I'm wired, or that's the way our family's always been, or we've always been this way. These excuses, again, will keep you under a curse, and they will keep you from the blessings of the Lord. There is no freedom in feeling or saying that you are held hostage to your genetics or to your personality traits. So basically when you say, well, that's just the way that I am, or take it or leave it, take me or leave me, what, you know, these kinds of statements a lot of times is basically saying, look, I'm just held hostage to this personality trait or to this personality attribute, and I have no power over it. That is in no way biblical. It is in no way what God has in mind for you or what he has in mind for us. All right, so let's get to it. Now, while there are no um, hard and fast, concrete, black and white patterns, um, I do feel like there are some general frameworks that God gives us in the Bible that we can see Jesus in the way that he ministers to people. So if you have gone through this entire series and you're like, yeah, let's get to it. I feel like I, you've identified like a ton of places that I need to be set free from. Grab a piece of paper, grab a pencil, and here, here's where you're going to start. First of all, you're going to start by acknowledging, recognizing that you are living according to a curse. So in that, you're coming into an agreement with God and saying, yes, God, I see this the way you see it. And I'm grieved over it because you're grieved over it. So God, I see that I struggle with a lot of anxiety in my life. Um, so again, sometimes we might be dealing with somebody that's like, uses the phrase a lot, well, I worry, well, I'm worried, well, I'm worried. And maybe you might say, you know, I feel like God um, has designed you to really walk in freedom from worry. And then they might be like, well, you know what I mean? I don't really worry. Well, there's no acknowledgement there uh, that actually they do struggle with anxiety and worry. Um, so the first thing is, is we have to acknowledge, yes, God, I struggle a lot with being anger, uh, feeling angry. Or I struggle a lot with holding unforgiveness. I, I, I see this place where I have some bitterness. Yes, God, I struggle with trusting you in these situations. Um, I struggle in general with God with c handling uh, negative emotions. Um, so the first thing you need to do is really recognize and acknowledge this is a place in my life where I feel um, overwhelmed by my genetics, by my behaviors by my patterns, um, where I feel overwhelmed by my personality. Um, and so you're going to acknowledge that. So that's step number one is you have to acknowledge. Step number two is you're going to identify the disobedience or the idolatry. Remember, a curse without a cause cannot alight. Now, some of the identifying can just be that I haven't acknowledged this. I've been living a lie. I've been acting like this is who I have to be, who I should be, who the only person I get to be in a moment, instead of recognizing that I can be somebody different in this moment. A lot of times that acknowledgement in and of itself is, is recognizing the place where you're disobedient. Um, but perhaps it is your disobedience is, I never forgave that person, or I've held anger or bitterness towards this person my entire life. Look, I realize that we could be talking about, we probably are talking about things that go all the way back into your childhood, some very difficult things. Um, child molestation, somebody who abused you, somebody who abandoned you. And you have to acknowledge first and foremost, I've lived my life in rejection and the point of disobedience is I've never forgiven this person. 
um, or I've lived my life angry and my, my point of disobedience is I've never forgiven the person who abused me. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm trying to give you some examples here. Uh, maybe, maybe the acknowledgement is I struggle with an addictive personality and I, I swap addictions all the time. I've gone from um, overeating uh, to smoking or from smoking to overeating or I've gone from, uh, from smoking uh, hard drugs to uh, high amounts of caffeine. Uh, swapping addictions, or maybe you just struggle with an addictive personality. I struggle with being addicted to people. Uh, you understand that's the spirit of ad addiction as well. When you're addicted to being needed, that martyr mentality. I'm just going to keep listing some of these. But once you acknowledge this is the place, like I feel a need to be acknowledged by people. I feel a need to be needed to pe by people. And you go all the way back to that point of disobedience where you might say, I don't feel like my mom and dad ever acknowledged that I did anything good in my life. And so I live my life compelled by needing to feel good towards uh, to people or uh, useful to people. It could be any one of these things. This is where the Holy Spirit is so important to allow him to really navigate you back to that point of disobedience and how that disobedience has continued and how it has alighted in your life, how it has groomed you, how it has become a part of who you are. So if I experience abuse as a child um, and I'm angry with that person, and again, I'm not saying that that anger isn't valid, but if you, if you allow that anger to excuse your, uh, to become your excuse from being set free, that's where we run into issues. Now that anger begins to mold you and it has developed the way you interact maybe with men or with women or somebody who uh, has a personality like your abuser in your life. Um, you can be set free from this. But the first thing is, is you want to, you have to want to be set free. A lot of us are more addicted to our own curse and to our own dysfunction. Um, and we, we don't know who we would be. We feel fear of who would I be if I let go, let go of this anger. Um, that's why that question, who would you be, um, is so, can be so important because sometimes it reveals to us that I'm afraid, uh, more afraid of letting go of this thing than I am living in it because I don't know who I would be. I, I don't know who I would be if I wasn't doing drugs. I've done drugs my whole life. Or I don't know who I would be if I wasn't um, a type A personality, if I wasn't in control. That feels scary to me to let go of that personality bend of being in control. Does this mean I have to let go of control? That feels frightening to a lot of people. So it takes a lot of courage to identify, to recognize the curse and to identify the point, the disobedience or the idolatry. So step three is repentance. You have to have repentance. Now I like to tell people um, that we're going to break, make, and apply. So we're going to break agreements, make agreements, and apply the blood. So we're going to break my agreement with rejection. Uh, I made an agreement with anger and bitterness in that moment. Um, sometimes our agreements are with uh, false messages. I made an agreement with uh, the message that said I was not worthy of being treated with love. I made an agreement with uh, the message that says I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be necessary. I'm never going to be purposed, which would lead itself to that personality trait that 
uh, I need to be needed in people's lives. So I always want to be the martyr. And so I inject myself into places of drama and I come in as the hero to save the day because I made an agreement all the way back when I was 13 that I've never, I don't, I'm not useful or I have no purpose. Okay, so I'm giving you a lot of examples here. I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Um, go back and watch um, some of my YouTube series on um, mental and emotional wellness. Uh, read my book, Enforcing You. I go into great details on how to break these curses and how to begin to shift um, into new patterns and new paradigms by recognizing core lies. So repentance is I acknowledge God that this area of my life um, I made false agreements. I break those agreements and I make an agreement with you. So I break the agreement that I'm never going to be purposed, that I have no use, and I make an agreement, uh, the agreement that you say I have much purpose, that I have a purpose, that I have a hope, that you have designed me with intention, um, that you have caused me to be useful for the kingdom. So now I broke an agreement with a lie. I made an agreement with the truth and then I'm going to apply the blood of Jesus. Now, I cannot stress to you how important this step is. I receive, God, the acceptance of the kingdom. I make an agreement, God, that you call me useful and I plead the blood of Jesus from the top of my head all the way down to the tips of my toes that by the blood of Jesus, every curse is broken in Jesus name. Come on. You've got to say that out loud. I will often touch my head. I will declare that it is the blood of Jesus that has cleansed me from every curse. I break that curse. I see you curse for who you are. I take my authority, the inheritance of the kingdom, the full rights of a child of God. I break you, you curse and I Plead the blood of Jesus over that spot in my mind, over that spot in my heart, over that spot in my personality. I plead the blood of Jesus and I declare that the DNA of Jesus is beginning to shift all of the traits, all of the tendencies, all of the bends in that space and in that place in my life. Some of you are going to need to stop. You're going to need to rewind. You're going to need to listen to that again. But there are spaces and places in your mind, in your heart, in your personality, in your characteristics that have been molded around the blood of your genetics, the blood of your own lineage, your own patterns. And what we're doing is we're now pleading the blood of Jesus in those spaces and those places. And we're declaring that the DNA of the blood of Jesus is now shifting those. Come on. We're calling forth a supernatural shift even in a moment. Okay. So we've recognized the curse. We've identified the place of disobedience and idolatry, and we've repented. Step four is applying the blood of Jesus. I just demonstrated that for you. Now, from here on forward, it is your, um, your right. I don't want to say your responsibility. It is your right to now begin to retrain personality bends, retrain patterns and behaviors that were molded around the curse. You get to retrain them that are now molded around the blood of Jesus. So what does that look like? It means I'm going to, I'm going to recognize patterns or behaviors. So I have a pattern of, uh, when I feel rejection, I begin to overeat. Okay. So I'm just giving you an example. Uh, or when I feel rejection, I isolate 
and I isolate myself and I withdraw. So I'm going to begin to retrain my mind in declaring first and foremost, rejection cannot have me and I break the pattern of isolation off of me, but I'm going to begin to retrain myself in that when I recognize I'm feeling rejected, because you understand when you break a curse, that doesn't mean you're never going to experience um, the message of the curse. But what it does mean is you have now a come into no, come into the know. You've become come into the knowledge of the curse, and you recognize in that moment, ooh, I feel rejection. I'm not going to respond to it the way I used to, but I get to, instead of withdrawing, I'm actually going to engage. Um, so I'm just giving you an example of what it looks like to retrain patterns or behaviors. Some of us are, re are uh, it's, it's words that we use. We use words of rejection. We use words of anger. I'm going to retrain patterns of anger by when I begin to feel anger in my life, I'm going to acknowledge that anger. I'm going to take authority over it. I'm going to, um, I'm going to immediately begin to <coughs> engage in forgiving and extending grace and forgiveness to the situation, to the person. Now, a lot of these things need to be practiced before you're actually in the moment. So what I want you to do is I want you to practice those things. Um, the Bible says that we are, uh, we no longer have to be conformed to the pattern of our past but we get to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I, if I know I've just broken a curse of anger or the disposition of anger off of my life, I'm not going to wait till I feel angry to see if it's really gone. I'm going to immediately start practicing in my mind how I'm going to ha handle anger. Because remember, not living under a curse doesn't mean I never face anger. The Bible says that, that he prepareth a table before us, in, before us in the presence of our enemy. So it doesn't mean I'm never going to face uh, that spirit anymore. It just means I recognize the authority that I have. I've retrained myself to where I'm eating of the goodness of God's grace and his mercy and his love, even when I'm feeling angry, even when I'm in the face of anger, even when anger is coming at me. I'm going to instead... Eat of the fruit of God, and I'm going to practice the fruit of God. So this is where we have to add to the word the action. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot at you right here. But this, this I'm trying to sum up at the very end almost every single one of my teachings. Um, so take some time. Go and check out some of the other episodes. Uh, do your homework. Uh, take care of you. Recognize that there are spaces and places that God has something greater in mind for you, more freedom, where you don't have to be trapped. You don't have to be stuck in anger and forgiveness and depression and addiction, in, in rejection, whatever it is. You get to be set free. But there is a partnership that God is inviting you into. So breaking these curses is important that we break them, that we come to this place of acknowledgement, that we plead the blood but then you have to do your part in partnering with the Holy Spirit and retraining your personality that was molded around that thing. So I often like to tell my clients that when we have a stronghold or we have a curse and iniquity, um, something that we have uh, had in our lives our whole, whole life, it's, it's like having a stone in our heart and your personality, your soul is like Play-Doh that molds itself around it. Well, when we break a curse, we're casting that demon out, but we still have the molding of the personality that needs to be remolded. 
So we're casting that spirit out. We're replacing it with the blood of Jesus. And now we need to recognize that there are some patterns in my life that I need to partner with God to work out my salvation, to train myself towards righteousness, to continue in the word. And so I'm remolding myself no longer around the pattern of that stronghold, that curse, that iniquity, but I'm remolding myself around the pattern of the person of Jesus Christ. Come on, I need you to get this. It talks about how in Isaiah, how a lot of times we've been holding on to a lie in our hand and we can no longer even say that this thing is a lie because we've been holding on to it our whole life. It just feels normal. And he's talking about the right that we have to break that lie in our life, to come out from under that deception, to come out from under that lie and to begin to really walk in the light, the illumination of the spirit and say, look, there are some things in my life. I broke that curse, but now there are some things in my life that I just need to partner in the Holy with the Holy Spirit in to really begin to enforce the pattern changes that I want to see in my life. All right, this is your empowerment. Remember the Bible says, in 2 Corinthians, actually, I want to read this whole passage to you. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live, that's you and I, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Here's what I want you to hear. Therefore, therefore, from now on, you and I, it says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Therefore, from now on, you and I do not need to regard ourselves according to our flesh, meaning the patterns of our personality, the patterns uh, that were developed in our flesh, I'm not going to acknowledge that anymore, meaning I'm not going to say, well, I'm this type of person. Well, remember we talked about how, well, that's just the way that I'm wired. I'm not going to regard myself according to the flesh. I'm going to regard myself according to the spirit, meaning I might say in my natural bend, I feel a tendency towards control. I feel a tendency towards being a type A, but in the spirit, I feel freedom in just releasing a lot of those things to Christ, in trusting God. And so these are the things that we get to do, but we cannot regard ourselves. We cannot excuse by saying, this is just the way that I am. That's regarding yourself according to your flesh and not according to the spirit. All right, you guys, this sums up this entire series on unpacking your generational baggage. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.